Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Avenue Church, and I hope you guys are doing great this, uh, this morning as well. And we're excited because we're in the middle of a series called uh, This is Living Now. How many excited for this message, this series? Thank you, Brian. As well, will you guys give it up for Cody? That was Cody sneaking on. Sneaking over here on the stage as well. Can we have some, a little bit of house lights? Because we do have a great looking church. And uh, so, you know, Lord, come on. And so turn on some lights here as well, some house lights. There we are. Look at that. Look at your neighbor and say, you do look good. All right. You do look good in here as well. <laughs> if you're single, you're welcome. I got you. Got you covered. As well. So we're in the book of James. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to the book of James. It's towards the <clears throat> on the back side of the New Testament, but go to James chapter 1, verse 13. And last week, if you weren't here, you could join us on the podcast as well. But we launched with, uh, you know, Consider It Pure Joy, and we talked about trials. We talked about trials in the book of James. And man, we had an incredible uh, weekend last Sunday as well. How many believing for even a better weekend today in Jesus' name? And that was good, huh? That was okay. Anticipations were kind of high, right? Let me try that again. And so how many are believing for a great service today as well? All right. There we go. Okay, as well. And, uh, but we talked about trials, and so today we're going to continue on the book of James. And we love the book of James because it is, it is relevant. It's practical. It is a book of the Bible that you can read through and go, I think that makes sense. I think I can use this to my own understanding. And so our series is entitled, This is Living Now, because the book of James helps us in how to live a good life. How do we live this Christian life? In the, in the next couple of weeks, James even talks about kind of this, this, this friction between faith and, and grace. You know, I've been saved by faith through grace, not by works, but also works. That, that faith without works is dead. And how do we correlate these two? And so the book of James really begins to help us to live out this thing called life live out daily. How do we live a Christian life as well? So turn to James chapter 1, verse 13. James chapter 1, verse 13 as well. And I'm going to read this. When tempted, how many know we're going to have a good day, all right? When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. We could probably close out in prayer right there. You guys would love that, huh? Done. But he does not tempt anyone. But each person, when each person is tempted, when they are dragged away by their own evil desire, by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. <laughs> of every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chooses to give us birth through the word of truth, through the word of truth, that we might be, kind of, we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he has created. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. Thank you for the book of James. Use me, use us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. A little bit more monitor for me up here as well. But James chapter 1, verse 13, 14, 15, and 16, we're talking about temptations. We're talking about temptations. See, I thought to myself, as we begin to talk about the book of James, how do we deal with temptation? Now, have any uh, avid fisher people here? You like to fish, fishermen, fisherwomen? Anybody in here? Nobody? Well, I brought a fishing pole today. I actually borrowed one. And, uh, and I was beginning to think about fishing. And I like to fish. It's fun. But just so you know, I'm more of a, a bobber kind of guy. Bobber and beet jerky. Do you know, that, you know what that is? A bobber and beet jerky is I put a bobber on my fishing line. I cast it out. I put the pole down, and I eat beef jerky. That's what I do. <laughs> That's how I fish, okay? Now, I've been with some other fishermen and fisherwomen. I, I, it's a fisherwomen, but people who fish, and uh, pretty hardcore in the fishing world. But one time, my father-in-law invited me to go, and that's like a real fish. Now, whoa. He invited me to go deep sea fishing. Rachel, have you ever gone deep sea fishing? Anybody? It's awesome. It's amazing, all right? What I enjoy about deep sea fishing is they cook in the middle of the boat, right? You just eat, okay? But what I enjoy about deep sea fishing is you get your, your bait, similar to that when you go deep sea fishing, and uh, we pulled that right out of the fresh Fresh pot. Okay, I'm sorry. And it was an enjoyable time of deep sea fishing. But when we went deep sea fishing, the crew gave us some instructions. And the instructions were that when you're fishing and you, you put your bait on and you throw it in the water, you know, you, you begin to cast your line out, you reel it in, cast it out, or you could keep it in the water, do whatever things you think work, right? Come here, fish, 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 whatever. I don't know. But in that water, when you catch something, that you're supposed to yell something to the crew. You either say fish or hook or, hey, I got something going on down here. And the crew would come by with these large hooks. And what they would do is, as you, as you reel the fish to, towards the boat, they would come down with a hook and hook it. They would, they would grab it and pull it into the, into the boat. Otherwise, you'll break your line, you'll break your fishing pole, anything like that. Now, that's to my limited knowledge. I've only fished in Minnesota. I've only fished in North Dakota in a, in a fishing pond in Wisconsin where it's easy, it's simple, it's itty-bitty little guys. So when I was out there with my father-in-law and I was fishing, I threw the line out, and I'm fishing, nothing's going on. All these other guys are catching things. They're just throwing into the boat, fish, and they're hooking the boat. You're hooking the fish and throwing it in. A lot of action until finally I got a bite. I got a snag. Something pulled on, and it just went bzzz. It just went like crazy. And so I'm trying to, you know, catch this thing, and it's going nuts on me. I'm thinking, now, remember, I'm from Minnesota. I'm thinking it's a hammerhead shark. <laughs> all right? I, ca I caught Willie, the orca, all right? Come here, Willie. I'm going to free you in a minute. I'm going to get this thing. I'm pulling on this thing. I'm getting excited. There's guys around me, and I'm like, fish, fish. And my pole's bent. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm going, I got a hammerhead. You know, get over here, fish. So they're ready. I got three guys, all right? Not just one guy. I got three guys. I'm like, this thing's you, my guess. And I'm pulling on it, and my line's going, and I pull into the boat, and it's probably that same size. <laughs> all my father-in-law's customers and coworkers all kind of look at me, and I was like, it, it felt big, you know. <laughs> it, it felt tough. It felt difficult. But I tell you that story because I had a desire. You will always be disappointed. You will always be disappointed, that there's a lot of temptation that goes on in our lives, that I want to tell you the title of my message this morning is, The Struggle is Real. Tell your neighbor, The Struggle 
is real. The struggle is real. The temptation is fighting the desire. And I want to tell you that you will be disappointed when you give in to your desires. Raise your hand here today if you've ever been tempted. If you've ever been tempted. Look at a bunch of heathens, man. <laughs> what is wrong with you? My goodness. Wow. You know what? We started a church just for us. Amen. But I got to tell you this, that every day, everyone is tempted. I got to say one more time. Every day, everyone is tempted. Now, I want you to know, though, and this is going to free some of you this morning, temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. It leads to sin. It's the bait. It's the hook. It's the snare. It's the lure. It'll entice you. It'll grab you. It'll try to bring you in. But temptation is not sin. Many of you are going to be freed by that statement because you say, you know what? I'm being tempted. I might as well give in because I've gone too far. No, temptation is not a sin. You have a crossroads experience when temptation comes your way. I can either go and sin or I can resist that sin. I can resist that temptation. I don't know if you've, if you've ever been on a car lot and you walk into, and you, whether it's CarMax or Ford or Chevy, and you walk on, and all the little tempters come your way, don't they? All the salesmen. If you're a salesman, we love you, all right? I know what you got. You got to make a living, but they just show up. Hey, hey, how are you? Next thing you know, you, you came in for a Pinto. Next thing you know, you're looking at a four-door uh, your pickup truck with the dually cab. All these things. But temptation is like the test drive. You want to hop in this bad boy, take it around the block, Get a taste of it. And James is trying to teach us, don't even get in the car. Don't even get in the car. That don't take sin for a test drive because that temptation will lead to sin and that sin will lead to death. It'll destroy you. It'll harm you. It'll hurt you. But I'm here to tell you, we're never too far to back out. We're never too far to resist and to turn around and say, I'm going to go the other way. Now, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So it's just a reminder today that temptation does not come from God. Temptation does not come from Jesus. Because every good and perfect gift is from above. The good stuff comes from God. The sin, the death, the temptation comes from our evil desires and the enemy. I wish I was tempted to work out. <laughs> right? I wish I woke up and said, oh, I, 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 I got to work out, babe. Will you help me? I wish I was tempted to eat healthy. I wish I was tempted every morning to read the Word. Oh, I am so, I, I don't think I should. I might be powerful. I might be, you know, an efficient Christian. I am tempted to do this. I can't call my group and say, hey, guys, on Monday morning, say, guys, will you help me? I'm being tempted to join CrossFit. Will you pray for a brother? Not going to happen. <laughs> but God doesn't tempt us, but there are areas that we are tempted. That it's the enemy, but it's also our desires. You know, we went to a restaurant many years ago for the first time called Texas Day Brazil. How many been there? Texas Day Brazil. Amazing, right? Uh, just every good and perfect gift comes from God. 
Taste and see the Lord is good. So we're at Texas Day Brazil, and this is our first time. They bring the, the meat, and we're enjoying this. We're, we're enjoying ourselves, and it's my mom and my stepdad were there. And we realized they came up, and they said, what would you like to drink? And I said, I have a Diet Coke and a Coke, and we had our sodas, and we were eating the meal. It was wonderful. They came up with a platter of desserts. How many know what I'm talking about? That's kind of like old and crusty, but you think they're good. And they're like, what would you like something? Can I have it on the tray? No, that's not fresh. But we will give you a fresh piece of carrot cake. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so we were like, yes. So all of us, we grabbed the dessert, and we were like, this is amazing that this is all inclusive. Until the bill came. They charged us for the drinks. They charged you for the desserts. They charged you for the entire meal. We were going, oh, it was kind of like a Russian roulette. Who's going to pick up the bill, right? But when we paid for it, we said, that kind of hurt. We gave in to our desires because we didn't know. Temptation wants to foot you the bill. It will lead you to sin, and it will lead you to death. So I'm going to give you three quick ways how to deal with temptation. On your Connect card, on the back of it, there's some notes that you can take. And I encourage you to take notes. I encourage you, arm yourself when you walk out of here. Get on your iPhone. Get Evernote out. Get a Facebook post going. And I encourage you, let's take some notes this morning. So number one, three ways to deal with temptation. Number one, Admit. We got to admit it. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jeremy? See, admit, when we admit, we need to know where we need to resist. See, the Bible says we give into our desire. You have to know where you are weak. We have to know what's our weak spot. What's my weak area? As a pastor, I do not trust myself. I have boundaries and guides in my life. A lot of times we'll come up and say, Hey, what, what happened? See, uh, what happened was it just came out of nowhere. And I'm here to tell you, you know where you're weak. You know where your desires lie. That we give into our temptations which lead to sin. See, the enemy wants to shame you. The truth wants to set you free. Your life. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Tell the truth, shame the devil. The Bible wants us to walk away from sin and to cling to what is good. Temptation wants us to walk away from God and to cling to what's evil. Because when we cling to what's evil, sin will then lead to death. Sin gives birth to death, but God gives birth to truth. So we need to admit it. We need to tell somebody. We need to acknowledge it. That the secret needs to come out. Because if it's a secret, it has power over you. If it's a secret, we have no way of fighting it. If it's something that we're, it's on the inside, and that is why a group is so important. A group to say, hey, I deal with this. Hey, I have a weakness in this. But the enemy will lie to you and say, if you confess, if you share, then you're going to be outcasted. If you confess, if you share, then you know what? They're going to ostracize you. They're going to remove you. And I'm here to tell you that in our weakness, we are strong. That when we confess and we say, I need to admit, the Bible says, let's begin the setting you free process. We're going to help you find freedom. That shame only works when it is hidden. Now, I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm talking about a group. Don't go on Facebook today and say, I'll deal with it. Yeah, no, I, I encourage you to jump into a group. Our group on Monday mornings, groups all during the week. On Saturday, 
on Sunday even. But I encourage you to admit it, that there is power in our weakness. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I gladly boast in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So when we admit our weakness, God is going to give us strength. So admit the areas you could potentially fall. Groups help in that confidential matter that I am so glad that we launched groups in the month of May because I keep hearing story after story on how people are linking arms with one another and saying, let's be strong where you're weak and will you be strong where I'm weak? Can we link arms together? Can we admit and can we start a process of freedom? Amen? So that's number one, is to admit. Number two is to resist. Is to resist. See, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. It doesn't say resist the devil and he's going to keep trying again and again and again. The Bible says, resist the devil and he shall flee. I begin to really think about that. Hey, it's a snare. It's a lure. And when we resist the devil, he shall flee. It takes a couple times to resist. It takes daily to resist. Every time that temptation comes, we got to resist. And in resisting, we got to know what we are up against. See, I was talking about fishing, and I, I, now just so you know, a little disclaimer, this is not mine, all right? I'm going to learn and, uh, how to fish. But I got a friend of mine, he loves to fish. And look at this bad boy. He's got all kinds of stuff in this tackle box. And in this box is what you call is bait or lures or different hooks, different things inside this box. I think he's ready to catch Shamu with that one. And uh, it's, this is an amazing tackle box. But I want you to know that the Bible says that he wants to entice us by our desires. Now, when we go fishing, I don't throw a bait in the water, and I don't say, hey, fish, eat the bait. We can't make the fish bite the bait, but we know how. We know what tools to use. If you fish with somebody who's an avid fisher, I mean, you cannot catch a sunny fish with a hook the size of a sunny fish. You got to get a smaller bait for a smaller fish, a bigger bait for a bigger fish, a bait that twirls, a bait that spins. And so here's what the devil does. He'll sit there and say, well, there's so-and-so, and I'm gonna, I'm, I want to snare or trap so-and-so with temptation so I can lead them to sin because they're too powerful. They're making an impact. They're Joint Avenue Church. I got to get them. And so he'll say, you know what, this lure won't work for that person because I know that person. I know that possibly I'm going to start them out with some maybe juicy gossip. And I'll bait them with some gossip. Maybe I'll bait somebody else. I'm, oh, you over there. It's not going to be gossip, but it's going to be a spirit of offense. I'm going to put an offense in your life which will cause you to do this and cause you to do that. Oh, this person over here, I got the perfect one for you. It's simply just a, whether it's a TV screen, computer screen late at night. But the Bible says there's three areas of sin. It's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
Somebody get that person because you know what? The Bible says that if you humble yourself, God's going to exalt you in due time. So I'm going to pull out my pride bait. And I'm going to throw some pride his way because I know if I could just rub his ego, I can get him to give in to that temptation. That there are bait that the enemy wants to use in our life, and he knows the bait to use over your life. I'm here to tell you, don't take the bait. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't take the bait. Let's do that one more time. That was nice. It was like this. Don't take the bait. <laughs> all right, let's do that one more time, all right? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't take the bait. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I've told you, you're in trouble with a deaf pastor, all right? But here's Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. And the Bible says that Jesus himself was tempted in all things. In Matthew chapter 4, it says this in verse 4. Uh, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Thank you, Jesus, that we're not led by the Spirit to be tempted. So here it is. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Because he's a God who will not tempt us. But he was hungry. And so here's Jesus. He was led into the, into the wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights, if you begin to read on, the, the devil himself began to tempt him in those different areas. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. He began to say, will you make this stone into bread? Why don't you go up there and jump and have your angels save you? Why don't you become God yourself? Why don't you serve me? And he began to saturate Jesus with all of these temptations. See, the enemy will come for us when we are alone. He knows when you're vulnerable. The enemy will attack by twisting scriptures. Because in Matthew chapter 4, the enemy was saying, hey, in the Word, it says this. Did you know the enemy knows the Word of God? And he'll do whatever he can to take that Scripture and to twist it so that we can justify our sin. And that's a dangerous place to be. That is why we got to get under mentors and pastors and those that know the Word, myself included. That the enemy will undermine our identity. He began to say to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, he was saying, if you're a Christ follower, if you really do what you say you do, he began to chastise and undermine your identity. I'm here to tell you that sometimes I want to say, you know, we're going to kick the devil in the throat and we're going we're gonna to fight against him, but he is pretty good at what he does. And that is why we cling to the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, what is common to every single one of us. And God is faithful. Say amen. amen. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will always, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He will always provide a way out so you can endure it. What did Jesus do? I began to read this. I began to say, you know what? He was hungry. Some of you get hangry. When you're hungry, it's all over for you, all right? I understand. The temptation to be angry, boom, you're hungry, you're <laughs> sin and death. I get you. Jesus is hungry. It's been 40 days, it's been 40 nights. The constant nagging by the enemy. 
and begin to realize that Jesus was not emotionally led. He was my flesh. He was spirit-led. That I don't trust my flesh, and I don't trust my emotions, but I trust the Word of God. I trust the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of me. That Jesus wasn't emotionally led, but he was spiritually led. That the Bible says the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So how did Jesus resist the enemy? Over and over again, he said, it is written. It is written. Resist the enemy with Scripture. That when you don't trust your own feelings, turn to the Word of God. That you cannot say, it is written, if we haven't read it. Hey, it is written um, somewhere. Hezekiah chapter 2, to leave me alone. <laughs> but to stand on some Scripture. I encourage you today, when we leave here, grab a Bible and ask somebody and to say, I'm dealing with this in my life, give me a Scripture. I had a friend of mine, he would always come to me and say, I, I can't do this. What's the matter? I'm dealing with this in my life. Give me a scripture. I said, you bet. I'll give you a scripture. I'll give you five scriptures. I'll give you six scriptures. I'll give you one that you can stand on. The Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Of the heart. The flesh is weak. Use the sword. So I want to bring you that the enemy uses a tackle box, and he uses all these different baits and lures. And, and don't get me wrong, he knows how to do it quite well. And he'll take this fishing pole, and, and he'll say, hey, I'm going to tempt you in this area in your life. I'm going to get you real good. And this isn't my fishing pole, so I might be sword. Whom? But the Bible says that the Word of God is a double-edged sword. Whom? <laughs> is a double-edged sword. There is power in the Word of God. So how do we fight against bait? We use a sword. We use the sword of the Spirit. And so the next time the enemy says, hey, and you got to forgive your husband, all right? Will your husband forgive me? But you got to say, hey, there's this temptation in my life. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to cut off that temptation. I'm going to remove that temptation. I want you to understand that when we go to battle, we're going swordless. We're saying, I'm going to fight temptation, and I got this. I am a tough individual. No, we're not. We're not that impressive without God in our lives. So I want you to picture this. When I was in, and this was by mistake, by the way, but I was in a fine arts program growing up, and I would do a skit. And in the skit, we had to memorize a portion of Scripture to be funny. So I happened to memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and it said, No temptation has seized me. That's New King James. This is back in the 90s, all right? No temptation has seized me except what is common to man, but God is faithful. He always provides a way out. Little did I know that God said he needs to memorize that Scripture. I'm going to make him do it by doing a funny skit. And every single time temptation came my way, whether it was lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Every time I felt trapped and said, I have nowhere to go but to give in, 
I was always reminded in my spirit that scripture would come out and say, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He always provides a way out. There is always a way out. I want you to imagine going to the mall with this sword, all right? I think Wonder Woman had a preview where she had a sword in a business place. I want you to picture in the sword, and you're walking through the mall, people at the kiosk will not harass you about their products. You want to try skincare? What you say? <laughs> you're on a date with a young lady, and she says, let's go up in the mountains. Let's overlook the city. Okay, let me put my sword between us. Temptation will not seize you except what is common to man, but God is faithful. My brother-in-law has the sword. He has three in his car. I was a little concerned, all right? But God is faithful. He will always provide a way out. Arm yourself with the word. So number one, it's to, <laughs> number one, it's to admit. Number two, it's to resist. But then number three, to fight. I'm going to leave you. Well, they already put it up, huh? I want to teach you three ways to fight. Number one, I want you to pray. When you're going through temptation, begin to pray. Begin to say, Jesus, I need help. Jesus, I'm weak in this area. But your word says that where I'm weak, you're strong. Will you help me? And begin to pray against that temptation. You can even go home today, sit in your prayer chair, sit in your car, and say, I deal with this, so I'm admitting it. Whether it's pride or gossip or pri uh, whether it's uh, offense, whether it's pornography, whether it's sexual immorality, whatever we deal with, whether it's uh, you know, uh, not trusting others. I could say so many different things. And just say, Jesus, I deal with this in my life, so pray about it. But also read. Read in the Word. Where does it say? Where can I research that? Where can I look at that? Where can I arm myself with the sword of the Spirit? But the last one is, is regroup. Is regroup. And I wrote this down. Begin to look at the definition of regroup. Regroup means to reassemble into organized groups, typically after being attacked or defeated. So I need you to pray. I need you to read. But sometimes we need to regroup. Regroup means to reassemble into organized groups, typically after being attacked or defeated. There is such power in being in a group. There is power when you get together with like-minded individuals and say, hey, I screwed up. Hey, I gave in to temptation. Hey, I sinned. Hey, I am being tempted in this area. Will you help me? Don't help me now, but help me at the midnight hour. Don't help me now, but help me when I'm most weak. Help, don't, don't help me now, but will you be there? Will you be a phone call away? But I want to give the word of the Lord for you today. If you've given into temptation and you're living in sin and that sin is leading to death, I want to tell you today that you are delayed but not denied. You're simply in delay, and you're, you, you are delayed, but you're not denied. You're not denied of God's blessings over your life. That God says, if you repent, which means to change your mind, to change the direction, and say, let's get you out of death, let's get you out of sin, let's help you to fight temptation, because you are God's masterpiece, you've been bought with a price, and let's arm you with the sword of the Spirit. Let's arm you with prayer. We'll teach you to pray. And let's arm you with a group. Let's arm you with a group. I'll calm down, all right? So number one is admit. Number two is to resist. I'm going to resist.
temptation with prayer. Resist with the Word of God. I'm going to resist with an accountability partner, someone I can call, someone I can grab onto, someone I can hold onto. But if that doesn't work, if you admit it, say, okay, it's out there. If you resist it, it's that I'm using prayer and I'm using the Word and, and, and I'm, I'm regrouping. I got my group together. If that doesn't work, I want you to last point, run. Just run. I used to be a youth pastor. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says, flee from sexual immorality. And as a youth pastor, be really big on purity. And it's not just purity of, of the flesh, but purity of your mind, purity of what you do, purity of your actions. I said, begin to encourage students that what do you do when you're tempted is run. From sin, when that temptation's your way, run. Run away from sin and run to the feet of Jesus. It's just simply to run. You know, I was in Wisconsin, and we were on, the, on a boat, and we were paddling, and my son was in the front, my wife's in the back. I was a little upset anyways, because my wife was like, let's get in that boat, and let's go out to the middle of the lake, and the boat didn't have an engine. There's pride of life right there, huh? <laughs> the boat didn't have an engine, it had two paddles. And these paddles were really high, all right? So it was like, excuse me. And so I'm paddling out, and it's difficult. I'm trying to get out there. It had two anchors, so we put anchors in the boat, and we're paddling. And I don't know if she wanted, like, the gondola, you know, it's my, my pizza pie, I don't know, and to get her out there in the lake. And my son was happy, and I'm going, okay, here we go. We're paddling. And my son told me, Dad, there's an anchor here. Can I throw the anchor in the water? I said, no, son, if you throw the anchor in the water, then we stop, and I can't paddle anymore, and I just want to get back to shore, all right? He said, come on, Dad, let me throw the anchor in the water. I said, son, no, let's, let's, no, I don't want you to throw the anchor in the water. He said, come on, Dad, let's throw the anchor in the water. I said, fine, throw the anchor in the water. So he took the anchor, and he went, he threw it in the water. Next thing you know, the end, the end of the rope went in, in the water. So we lost our anchor. And I thought immediately, my father-in-law, oh, man. That was his anchor. But I tell you that because many of us were using the wrong things to anchor us down. We're using the wrong things in life. And we're fighting with the wrong things. We're saying, how can I admit? How can I resist? But also, how can I run? That if people aren't alongside of you, helping you run in the right direction. And we say, so-and-so is my accountability partner. As your pastor, I want to say, no, they're not. They're someone who's dragging you down into temptation. That so-and-so is my, my mentor. No, they're not. That God's going to bring some new people in your life that will help you grow, that help you grow meaning in the Word of God, that help you grow in what Scriptures say, help you grow in prayer. I want to tell you here today, we don't want to use people to build this church. We want to use this church to build people. So how can we strengthen you? How can we encourage you? Well, I'm here to tell you we can fight temptation. The Bible says we're to run the race so that we can hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to end with this scripture verse. Will you stand with me, please? Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to read this on the screen. It says this. Finally, be strong so that you can take your and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, 
against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, the day of temptation comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's the truth of God. With the blessed plate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted for the readiness that comes for the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, in all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always be praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me so I can make known the mystery of the gospel. I love how it said, belt of truth, blessed bit of righteousness, shield of faith. I want to encourage you here today. It's really hard to fight without having the mind of Christ. The temptation begins between your ears. That if you're here today, the Bible says there's a helmet of salvation. That it's hard to fight this thing without Jesus. It's hard to fight this thing without somebody in our corner to say, I'm with you, my son. I will always give you a way out. And so we're going to end this message in a celebratory way. And during this song, we're going to do a song. We're going to have a prayer team out to the sides. And they're going to pray with you for anything. If you have a need in your life, they're going to pray for you. But I want you to look at me here today, and I just want to encourage you that if you've been fighting temptation or you've been living in sin, I encourage you that there's a Father in heaven who loves you. There's a Father in heaven who wants to arm you and equip you with his word, but with the full armor of God. And if you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's your next step. We have growth track. We have groups. But for you today, your next step is simply going to raise your hand and say, I need Jesus in my life. I need to accept him into my heart. And if that is you, I know we're all looking. I know we're all heads are up to him. But will you raise your hand and say, I need Jesus in my life. I need to accept him as my Savior. If that is you, just raise a hand with me today. If that is you, just raise a hand with me today. I see some hands. I see some hands. Give God a praise this morning. And the Bible says if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord of our life, we will be saved. But then we got to take that next step. So let's jump into this song, and I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to sing. I want to encourage you to pray say, Jesus, I admit this is my weakness. I admit this is where I am weak in my life. I admit this is my desire. That is, I'm talking about evil desires. But also, you might have to turn to somebody and say, will you help me? Will you help me join a group? Will you help me go to a prayer team? Because we're in this together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to know more details, you can visit our website at avenuechurch.cc or follow us on social media at Avenue LV Church. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.